Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. Today is Thursday. It is February 3rd, and we are back with another episode of Destination Different. All right, here's the deal. Last week, if you listened to the episode, I said that there's big, 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 big news coming in this week's show, and it's here. So here's the deal. The Destination Different podcast has been entered in a contest called Podcash. Let me repeat that. Destination Different has been entered into a contest called Podcash. It is, best way I can describe it, a competition for small podcasters, people who are not celebrities, people who are not big athletes or have these mondo followings. Podcash is setting out to try and support the young, small, up-and-coming podcasters. I forget what the exact stat is that they're using, but like 90-something percent of all advertising dollars, of all sponsorships, go to like the top 10 podcasts. There hasn't been a top 25 podcast that's broken into the charts in the last two years. That's, you know, that's new. They're all been around six, seven, eight, nine years. There's nothing like new jumping up to these, to these big top shows. So they're seeking out, they're giving away $100,000 to small up and coming podcasts. And I think personally that Destination Different is the perfect show for this contest. And so apparently they're judging on six different criteria. Applications are open until February 4th. So I've submitted the podcast, it's in there. And now there's one piece that I need your help with. So as part of this contest, there's podcasts are judged on six criteria. Five of them are like, how good, how good is the show? How good are the guests? What's the format? What's the consistency? All of that stuff. That goes into the judging. There's a panel of expert judges, but there is a sixth criteria. And that sixth criteria is something that they call love letters. And so in the love letters, you, the listener of Destination Different, can write me a love letter. And that is part of the criteria for getting selected to win this contest. So I am asking you, my dear, dear listeners who have been with me for two and a half years, to please, if you've ever enjoyed the show, if you like me, if you care about me at all, if you care about this show, take 10 seconds out of your day and write me a love letter. So I'll be putting the link in the description of the show podcast. I will also be posting it all across my social media for Destination Different. So it, it should be easy to find. It will be everywhere. This link will be everywhere. You just go in, type up a couple words. Wow, I love Ryan so much. The Destination Different is the greatest show of all time. Bing, bang, boom. Submit, done. That's all I ask. If you screenshot, I, I would love, and this is going even a step further, for you to screenshot and share with me a picture of your submission so that I can generate more people, get more people excited about what's going on. So that's my ask. I will be, this will not be your last reminder. This contest is going on all through the month of February. So this is intro one, reminder one about podcast and writing love letters for Destination Different, but it will not be the last. Take 10 seconds right now. Go click on the link in the description and fill out that form, fill out that love letter, send it my way, and let's go win this contest. Okay, so now that we've got that business out of the way, let me introduce our guest on this week's show. His name is Jeff Kane. He is a graphic designer and illustrator living out of South Dakota. And so I learned some South Dakota facts for this show. Jeff is insanely talented as a graphic designer, spent years doing Sharpie murals, learned, you know, just doodling, has always been an artist. You know, over COVID, this I think is just so impressive and, and such a testament to all the people that we've had on the show. Jeff just was like, you know what? I think I'm going to teach myself to learn how to animate. Not, that's not an easy thing to do. 
And so a couple of years ago, he taught himself to animate. He now has full-time clients that he's doing GIFs and animations for and has expanded his set beyond just the classic illustration and graphic design. So Jeff is amazing. We talked all about how he has built a portfolio, how he has started to build out his freelance roster. He just recently you know, kind of went out and, and stepped away from some of his more full-time clients and is, and is really just pushing the, pushing the envelope, how he thinks about marketing himself as an artist, how he has 1.5 billion, billion with a B, views on his GIFs on Giphy. So clearly he's a pretty decent illustr- illustrator and animator and has, has made quite the impression over on Giphy. And this is just an awesome episode. Jeff was kind. He was gracious. He is super smart and talented. And I think you are going to love, love, love him. So without further ado, let's kick it over to Jeff Kane on this week's episode of Destination Different. Let's go. Is it true that lefties are better artists than righties? Uh, it, it depends on who you ask. Yeah. I'm, I'm left-handed. Are you left-handed as well? I am not, I am not left-handed, but I figured I saw you were left-handed and I was like, I gotta, I gotta ask. Yeah. I remember, um, in high school, I did a speech on left-handedness. So that's, that's the extent of my research is, you know, at a high school level. Um, and the, it seemed like the, the big argument that people like to push is that you're brain crisscrosses to the opposite side of your body so the right brain is thought of as being more creative so the idea is if the right brain controls the left hand you know if you're using your hand for drawing or something creative i guess you know that's that's the argument there um you know since then i feel like the the evidence has been challenged quite a bit um so i i can only speak from experience you know i've always aspired to identify as a creative person at least, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be left-handed, but you know, no, nothing against the other people. All right. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting science to, I wasn't expecting you to, to have some actual facts to back it up. Usually I'll get like, yep, lefties are better. That's it. Simple. Um, so tell me a little bit, like, when did you start getting into art? You know, obviously you're super gifted. I've been doing it now for, for quite a long time professionally, but where was there always a sort of joy for art as a kid and and was that something that's always been part of your life yeah I've, I've definitely always been into drawing since i was a kid you know i loved um like comic books and cartoons i mean like like every kid does i feel like but i mean i really like wanted to make my own comic books me and a friend of mine made a made a superhero called yes man back when i was in elementary school that we would kind of like tag team write and illustrate together um, so yeah, I'd say I've, I've always been, you know, kind of a creative person and interested in, in drawing and the visual arts. Yeah. Since, was, since childhood. Yes. Okay. All right. And was that something I always am curious, you know, was that something you were, I don't want to say classically trained in what, like, did you go to school for art? Were you sort of studying art at a, at an academic level or was it more always something that you just did, you know, for fun and that you, you enjoyed kind of doing on, on the side from your, from your schoolwork? Definitely not classically trained. Yeah. I would say even now, like I think of that as my like weakness when it comes to, you know, more technical things, figure drawing or like, you know, drawing backgrounds or things like that. Um, it's, I sort of like figure it out on the go, you know, watch some YouTube tutorials and, and try to figure it out and think like, man, why didn't I go to art school or like study more when I was younger? Obviously it's never too late to learn those types of technical skills, but no, didn't go to art school. All right. It's, I mean, it's always impressive. Like people who, I, I think it's almost better in some ways, people that can like teach themselves how to do certain things on, on YouTube or watching TikToks or watching things like that. How have you like I even find myself with podcasting or with whatever I'm doing. It's like, all right, I don't know how to do this. Let me go and like, what are some examples of things that you've all of a sudden just like been able to pick up, maybe even speak to your animation skills. Like that's something that you seemingly yeah. just kind of learned on the fly. 
Yeah, animation definitely comes to mind as like it's it's a more recent thing for me. And I I definitely had like years of my earlier career where it was sort of a fear for me of like, I, I really want to get into animation. I want to learn how to do it. But I just, you know, I'm too lazy. I don't have the time. It's It was very intimidating to me. And it was sort of my uh, quarantine project. You know, when, two years ago when COVID first hit, we were all stuck inside. Um, I kind of like took that as an opportunity to, you know, finally like buckle down and learn this thing that I wanted to get into for the longest time. Um, and it, yeah, it is definitely a, a hump um, that you have to get over. Like, a, I feel like there was, you just had to go, kind of push through a couple of days of mm-hmm. pushing up, pushing a rock up that hill of that learning curve. And, but it's such a great feeling once you get over it, when you can like, when it becomes more intuitive and you can do the things that you want to do animation wise. Um, you know, of course there's always more things to learn, but yeah, that, I mean, that was basically just all through YouTube tutorials with After Effects specifically was the program I was trying to learn. Yeah. And it's even- just, even more specifically, did you ever like, were you like, okay, I want to, I would know I want to animate this thing. Like, did it start with an idea and you sort of backed into it of like, all right, how do I figure this out? Or were you, what was the process like to, to piece, start piecing it together? And yeah. Get over that hump? Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I guess like for, for years I knew how to do frame by frame animation in Photoshop, which uh, are you familiar with? Do you use like Adobe mm-hmm. products? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I, um, uh, you can make very simple like animated gifs in photoshop you know you could like draw a character and just like move you know draw them again with their arm moved um back and forth that kind of thing and so there would be there would be times when i would like think okay i, I should do this in after effects once i learn how to use it it'll be so much smoother and then i try to learn and i just kind of give up because i because it's not intuitive to me and then would go back and just do it in photoshop and it'd be a just much longer process I feel like I went through kind of an awkward phase with with that for a while. Um, is that answering your question? I'm, what was your I, question? I think so. Yeah. Like, did it did it start with a design, like with an idea that? Oh, like, with a specific. Oh, I would, thing I would I love would... to animate this thing, and then that's how you kind of got into it. No, I mean, no, not necessarily one specific thing. I just I wanted to be able to animate in general. I mean, once once I started doing it, it was kind of nice that I had like all these drawings that I, you know, were already like digital illustrations on my computer that I could practice on. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the first like complex thing that I did was this illustration. It was like just a hamburger that had Donald Trump's face on the bun. Um, it, it was like a digital illustration that I had from a couple years back. And then I thought this would be a good thing to animate because it's already like broken into several pieces because it's just like a 2d hamburger so it's stacked like you know bun patty lettuce onions top on kind of thing yeah yeah so, so that, that, was, that was the first project yeah that was sort of my right just my like get over the hump like learn all the things i want to learn yeah project to yeah to push through exactly that's, that's funny and as somebody who has been or had been doing, you know, just strictly still, you know, graphic design illustration prior to that. Do you, do you find yourself now gravitating more towards like wanting to animate more things? Like, do you have a preference of an animated thing or a, you know, still object as a, as a final product? Is there, you, yeah. you know, one or the other? I, f- I feel like more recently I've, I've sort of been going back towards, um, non-animated stuff still, um, just illustrations and and graphics. I I think um, when I first initially like got into animation, it was a new exciting thing. And like every time I drew something I wanted to animate, like sometimes I would do a project that like the client didn't even ask for it to be animated and be like, oh, look, I I just made a move a little bit just for fun kind of thing. Um, And of course, like it it changes the way that you draw and design things like the with animation, the simpler you put it together, the easier it's going to be to animate if you have a really complex drawing you know that's it's just going to take a lot more time um and so you know sometimes i thought that it like mentally am i using this as a crutch like is it is it a good enough design that would that it would work as just a static image you know that's something i always think about or like that's like advice i try to give to people of like you know make sure that it's a the illustration is like 
good and captivating enough that like it's it's compelling as a static image before you start animating it. So sometimes I would think like maybe this is a, a you know slightly boring graphic, but it's just it's more exciting because it's moving. And so now I'm I'm sort of going back to can I make stuff that is still good, still eye catching without the um, animation element. Got it. So you kind of like establish what that base level, like, all right, it's got to hit this quality threshold. And then if I can elevate it in some way with the animation, that's like a bonus. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I like that. Um, and you mentioned obviously doing, doing client work. Have you always been in this freelance world? Have you, you know, when did you start to get into art and illustration and graphic design from a professional standpoint? So, no, I've, I've only been freelance for about two years now. So I worked um, in-house doing graphic design for a church for about six years, I believe, um, back in Arizona. So I was, um, so that was like more, more of a graphic design job, a lot, a lot more like corporate graphics, a lot of just like putting text over um like pictures of sunsets and things like that, mm -hmm. you know, like not, not the most exciting stuff that I want to put in my portfolio, but I did get to make graphics for like students and children's uh, ministries, which they were much more open to just like kind of whatever you want to do. You're like, go do your thing. Yeah. 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 And they, they almost always, you know, were okay with it <laughs> with my experiment. So that was kind of my outlet for exploring more illustration type things. Um, and then of course uh, just, I would get just like random freelance stuff on top of that. Um, and then like through, I really became more, more established with freelance stuff through animation because I, once I discovered Giphy, I mean, I, I knew the Giphy existed before, mm -hmm. but sort of discovering that it's, it can be a platform for creators. Like you can create your own profile and upload your own gifts and they show up in Instagram stories and things like that. Um, that was also just, during pandemic times uh, or early pandemic times, I should say. Um, so that was something I, I discovered and just like got really into and was like sharing it with everybody, posting it on my Instagram all the time. And that was a, how I found, or a kind of found me through my Giphy profile and just asked if I wanted to, um, you know, contract with them making social justice oriented um, animated GIFs. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many GIF views you have on your Giphy profile? I think right now it's it's 1.5, Bill. Is that correct? That is correct. And that okay. is absolutely insane. I saw that number. I was like, holy shit, that is <laughs> that is a lot of views. It does is. That, does that register with you at all? Like that that many people have seen your work? It is. Yeah, I, I was I was pretty flabbergasted with it when I first started on Giphy. It's pretty mind blowing to see the numbers like, you know, when I got my first million and then, you know, you got your first hundred million and that kind of thing. Uh, it's, you know, the, the numbers are astronomical compared to uh, basically any other social media yeah. out there. Uh, it, it, I feel like there's not a ton of transparency in terms of like what qualifies a view. Like, I wonder if, because, you know, gifts are like one to so three quick. second yeah. loops. Like, does that mean if you like watch it for like 10 seconds, does that count as 25 views kind of thing? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not exactly sure how it works. And of course, like the vast majority of my stuff, like that, that I create for Giphy, like gets used in just anyone's Instagram stories. So it's like, who knows how much, um, who knows how much is out there? I mean, I, I can see the analytics, but I have no idea like who the actual people are that are using it. Mm -hmm. It's just strangers on the internet. So yeah, all that to say the numbers are, they were exciting at first. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty desensitized to it now. You know, I was what, like 2020 was, was the year that I was like really tackling Giphy. And that was my personal goal was to try to get to 1 billion before the end of the year. And it was literally down the wire, January 31st, I'm sorry, December 31st, um, that I finally hit the 1 billion mark, um, which was, so that was pretty exciting to, to get it right, right at the end there. That's um, pretty wild. Yeah. Since, since then I haven't really put a ton into my own account because I do so much client work where it's like, I'll make something, but it goes on someone else's account mm -hmm. type of thing. Yeah. Got it. And it's interesting even to think like I would never 
have thought of Giphy as kind of like a distribution platform for your work, but clearly it's a way to like, you know, sort of market yourself. How, how do you think about marketing your, you know, now that you've moved to this freelance world, like marketing mm-hmm. yourself as a freelancer, as an artist and trying to bring in more clients, like through Giphy, through TikTok, through Instagram, through other means, like, how do you think about marketing yourself as a, as an artist? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think about it a lot, you know, but it's, it's interesting to see how it, um, it, it sort of overlaps with, with like my personal thoughts and feelings because like my, my personal accounts, like TikTok and Instagram, I, I think of them as, as my business account, but they're also just kind of my personal accounts, you know, like I don't have a, a brand name. It's just my name, mm-hmm. Jeff Kane. And I mostly just post work type stuff there, or it's not always work. Sometimes it's stuff just for fun, but, you know, creative type stuff, stuff that I want to like advertise myself, but it's also like, I'll post like life updates, you know, like I'm moving or like I'm going on vacation or, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. So I, you know, it may or may not be, be a smart business model to do it that way, but it's, I don't know. It's been kind of fun because like the work, the work is so personal, even when it is client work, you know, it's something that I enjoy the process of making it and sharing it in that way. Got it. And as a, like, it's interesting as a freelancer, obviously when you work for a brand or you work, you know, you mentioned you work in the church for six years and you kind of have that consistent, like, you know, where your paycheck's coming from, you know, sort of what, how much money's coming in as you've moved to the freelance model how do you structure like financial, I guess this is maybe a loaded question. One, like yeah. financially, how do you sort of think about, okay, I know this much is coming in. And then two, are you constantly on the hunt for new opportunities or do you, have, have you reached the point where you're like, I got too much going on. I got to try and manage, you know, which ones make the most money and that I enjoy. And how do you, how do you manage all of that? Yeah, it's, it's a racket. It's a total headache. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm still relatively new to that. Um, like I said, I'd been, I'd been in house, um, working at a church for several years. And then even recently, the, a big part of, um, why I went freelance was, was because my wife and I moved. Um, that's another thing I'm, I'm married and, uh, my wife works at, at a library. So we have like at least one source of stable income with health insurance and things like that. Um, so I feel like that that's one secret advantage that, you know, not, not every freelancer gets to take advantage of in terms of personal financing. Um, let's see, where was I going with that? And so I'd, I'd, I'd been continuing to, to contract with, with my former employer, but, um, I, recently cut ties with them for just personal belief differences um i suppose would you know Mm -hmm. which is again like mixing the the personal with the professional it's kind of interesting like i I made a tiktok about that just being like so i decided to quit like this one my basically my number one like client that i was contracting for and now it's just much more scattershot clients um which like i said is it's a total headache um, I'm, I'm enjoying the thrill of it. It's also just totally stressing me out and <laughs> crushing my spirit a little bit. Uh, like I said, it's a ride. Yeah. And I mean, I know, I, I know the freelance world can be like very unpredictable where you might have, all right, this month I've got 10 projects and things are booming. And then it's like, well, I finished all those things and I don't have the next you know piece coming in. Yeah. Um, like, is, is it a lot of in like in back, how are you thinking about like new bit, like new business coming in? Are you reaching out actively to other brands or is it people like being like, Hey, Jeff, that was an amazing TikTok. I want you to help make these animations yeah. for us. Like, how does, how does that come in for your work right now? Yeah, that's right. Um, I, so I'd say it's, it's been mostly people reaching out to me, which, um, yeah, which is great, you know, like, because obviously it's, it's even more work if you have to go out and find the clients yourself on top of all this stuff of, you know, they reach out to you, but then you have to figure out the scope, scale, timelines, 
contracts, invoices, all of that stuff. You know, it just, it gets pretty, pretty exhausting or just it, the paperwork adds up quickly when you have multiple clients you're juggling at once. Um, yeah, I, I have done a little bit where it's like, where I'll reach out to specific brands that I want to work with specifically, but, but yeah, like I said, in the, in the current state that I'm at, maybe it's because I announced on TikTok that I quit my job because it seemed like it was right after that time. I was, I was kind of planning on like not having a lot of work for a little while and sort of taking some time to kind of like create a personal business plan and just take a break and stuff like that. I feel like I haven't really gotten that break yet. Again, not, not complaining because it's a great problem to have, but but the, yeah, the projects chaotic. the projects came flowing in when you were like, oh, I quit this, I quit this gig. Yeah, that yeah, they really did. So um it, yeah, it was cool. It felt it felt like um people had my back in that way, you know, whether whether they were aware of that or not. Mm-hmm. And you allu- you alluded to it a little bit, but I always like to ask creatives because there's seemingly this more and more so every day, like blurring line between being a creative and being an entrepreneur and sort of running your own business. And, you know, obviously there's the creative piece that you do. There's the graphic design, the illustration, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then there's the business less sexy piece of how much do I charge? What's the scope? How long is this going to take managing the paperwork? how has that been for you as kind of like a pure creative of like loving the, the art piece of it, of now being like a businessman too, who also has to like manage your own shop basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's definitely been a challenge for me. I mean, like the creative stuff is, is always a challenge too, because you know, there's always, I'm always like asked to like draw something. I don't know how to draw, like I was saying before, but yeah, the business side I'd say has been, I mean, obviously an intellectual challenge of just, I have to like, Google, okay, how does a retainer contract work and things like that? Uh, figuring out how to do my taxes, all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's the emotional challenge too of like, there's, I've obviously consumed a lot of content on YouTube and blogs and stuff like that that talk about like the importance of like charging what you're worth and like don't undersell people. It's, you know, I know you, you feel like, oh, I, I love what I do. I would do it for free, but it's, that's not sustainable. You need to like, um, charge proper rates. You need to have a contract, you know, even though it feels weird. <laughs> so I'd say like all of, all of those types of encouragements have been very helpful and necessary for me as someone who just does not naturally, uh, I don't know, enjoy or like embrace that, that business side of things. You know, I feel like that's, that's something I always need to push myself to be better at. Yeah. You appreciate the, I mean, you don't, you appreciate it, but it's probably not in your nature, like the formality of it. If somebody was like, Hey, can you do this logo for me? You would typically just be like, yeah, oh, sure. What do you need? I'll help you out with it. Like that's kind of yeah. how you would have approached you know, it. Sure. Yeah. Right. In a perfect world. If like, if we didn't all have bills to pay, yeah, that would, that would be amazing. Yeah. Like as, as you've moved to this more, you know, you're, you're running a business at the end, like, has it taken away at all that love that you have for the the craft of it, of actually making the thing of something that you've been doing for, you know, since you were a kid, does, does it taint that at all? Or like, how, how do you think about the kind of love of what you, what you do? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'd say it's a mix because in, in some ways it's made it better because I've, I've been challenged to like do more things because like clients come to me with like a specific request for like something I would, you know, I would never think to, to draw that if, if someone didn't ask me to kind of thing, or like, I wouldn't probably like push myself to do so many different animations if I didn't have so many different, um, jobs that, that required me to do that kind of thing. So in that way, in that way, it's made it better. Yeah. And the other way it's like, yeah, just the personal, just drawing for its own sake, just for fun. It's something that like one of my goals for 2021 was to try to draw every day. And so I wanted to have just like a, a journal, like where I just drew something just for fun, just for myself. That was like my reflection on whatever was on my mind that day kind of thing. And very quickly, I dropped that goal because I would, you know, try to wake up early and, and get to that. And then feel like I can't be spending this much time drawing something when I have like other projects that are like for paying clients that are waiting. Um, 
so yeah that i mean that's kind of a bummer i, I definitely you know l- lament the loss of of just doing stuff just for fun you know i i still make time for it um when i can but i i'm currently at a place where it doesn't feel realistic to be able to do it every day got it so you still you still occasionally will find time to you get excited about a project or something personally that you want to work on, but it's not a regular everyday occurrence where you're like, Oh, I'm just drawing this for me. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Got it. But at the same time, I don't know. I don't know how you think about this, but like I would consider, you know, you make all these great TikTok videos, Instagram videos that are you, but it's, is that mostly client work that you're featuring in that? Like, do you consider that, person is that fun for you i guess is like the creation of like the videos and the content that surrounds your art yeah absolutely it is fun that that's another part of the um like the ongoing debate that's always spinning around in my head of the i need to you know i need to like do this specific personal project like my drawing everyday thing i need to do that for fun and then like the other voice says but you are drawing every day it's just that you know these drawings are stuff you're getting paid for. And isn't this the dream? Isn't this what, like, what, why you drew every day when, you know, when you were a teenager so that you could do this as a professional now. And then of course, yeah, there's also the, the social media of it all of like, also like I need to create content every day. I mean, more, more or less, I, I try to like make something for TikTok every day, which is, yeah, like obviously a lot of um, overlap between client work, definitely personal projects as well. And also the overlap between the fun of it. I definitely just enjoy the creative process of like making videos and the challenge because like before TikTok, I never like made videos in any form really. So that's like a new kind of creative medium that I'm like having fun with and exploring. And of course, like just interacting with the comments and all that stuff is fun, but it's also like, the discipline of it's, it's kind of time consuming. Um, and how do I like find time to do that and get my other work done? Yeah. Do you, how has it been for you being on camera, be like, so sort of like turning the camera around and, and talking to camera being, you know, in front of what's going on, uh, as something that you had never really previously done until the last year. Yeah. It, it's been a cool experience. Yeah. 20, 2021 that was kind of just a goal of mine was to like get into tiktok or just be producing it because before then i was just like watching videos and was was pretty intimidated feeling like i can't perform on this level you know like i can't like lip sync and do silly dances that would just be (laughs) me embarrassing myself and if i want to make like videos that are you know cool videos i just it just seems like that would take so much time and effort. Like how could I compete with all these amazing creators on here kind of thing? Uh, where was I going with that? It's yeah, it, it's been a really fun journey figuring out how to just what, like, like, what like pushed my you, personality and my work, yeah. you know, what, like, what, like pushed you to that point of wanting to be on camera? Like, was there, was there a moment that you're like, I got to start, do it like what made you want to push I mean, yourself to be on camera? I, w- I wanted to get into TikTok in general just because of just like what people were saying that it was like it's it's in this infancy phase. It's it's at a place where like you can grow so much more than you ever could with Instagram because Instagram has been around so long and it's so oversaturated. So there was that just like, you know black-hearted businessman side of me that was saying like I just need to like take be opportunistic and and try this out um and I so but at first I wasn't really putting myself on camera so much it was more like trying to just like make little animated videos and trying to make stuff that was was cool and just showing off all the gifts that I made like one, one of my earliest videos that like I worked really hard on was um 100 gifts set to the music of 100 gex so i thought that would be like a a catchy thing that could be shareable and it would like be a way to like show off look how much work i made i'm cramming it all into this like really short video with this really chaotic music and um you know people are gonna love it and that like you know didn't do very well at all because i was Mm -hmm. brand new and then uh it was like when i 
when I was moving, I was moving from Arizona to South Dakota and uh, got, got stuck in a blizzard, got my U-Haul stuck in the snow and was stuck at this hotel for a couple of days while I waited for a tow truck to be able to pull me out. Um, it was just hanging out in the hotel room. I decided here's, here's a good time to just experiment a little bit and try to make some TikToks. So I made one that was just like footage of that. I just taken over the past month. Cause I also just started the one second a day app. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that? Yep. 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 So that was, so I had all this footage on my, on my phone of me just like, I don't know, hanging out, walking around, like enjoying Arizona while I still could. Um, and I just made a video of like, Hey, here's what my life has been like this past month. And, and I'm a little bit lonely these days because my wife had moved, um, a month beforehand, uh, because she had to start her job in South Dakota. Got so, it. yeah. So it was this, anyway, it, it was, a, it was a much more emotional, it had nothing to do with illustration or animation or design or anything. It was just kind of like a personal slice of life style video that I just put together. Cause I had happened to have the footage and had some time on my hands and then that got all these numbers and it got so many different comments of people saying like, I don't know, just identifying with me, mm-hmm. uh, with, with my plight, you know, with, with my sad sack story about, <laughs> about being lonely and so many people saying that they liked the sound of my voice, which, which was really, um, just crazy for me to hear because I was all, I've always been, uh, really self-conscious about my voice because I think it like sounds really weird and I've like gotten comments before of people thinking that oh are you still like going through puberty or do you have laryngitis or you know what's what's going on why does your voice sound like that so I'd never I'd always thought of it as like a liability something that was like weird and awkward and like you know a big reason why I didn't want to make videos so um that was just this really affirming thing for me to hear like oh some people like actually like it maybe this can be a thing that can be used uh as a benefit rather than um i don't know rather than like a negative yeah i want to avoid i i will say i abs i want you to do like voiceover work for my for any future projects you have an amazing amazing voice oh thank you yeah yeah you you said that in um in the dm that you sent me you said it's 15 out of 10 (laughs) which i appreciate it is, it is incredible. And it's like super distinct too. It's like something, you know, that you obviously like, I it's, it's in a way it's an asset to yourself. It's like something that makes you stand out from, from everybody else. Um, I got to ask as well, because I think this is probably another identifiable factor for you. How long have you been working on the mullet? Uh, so I, I cut it, uh, just about a year ago. I had just like long hair all around before then because i've just been growing it out um again through the pandemic um just for fun yeah i it, it had been something i've been thinking about for i don't know maybe a year i don't know i've been thinking about it for several months before because i would i would just go on pinterest all the time just to look at inspiration for like illustration graphic design type stuff and i would always get sidetracked on like just fashion, different outfits I was into. And then I would always end up just in mullet territory because that was, <laughs> seemed to be, uh, you know, the mullet has been having a moment. It's, it's come back as sort of a avant-garde thing. So uncool, it's cool again type of thing. And I just, yeah, for a long time I was uh, debating, can I pull it off unironically? Can I make it work? And then one day I just decided to to go for it. I would say you make it work. I don't know if I could have the same effect, but it, it definitely works for you. Yeah. I would, I'd recommend it to everyone. I think more people should, should just cut their own hair and, uh, experiment. I feel like I'd have fun experience. I feel like I'd have to get into art in some way. I'd have to be a little bit more artistic in order to, to rock the mullet. Um, I'm, I'm curious for you as well as somebody who's kind of you look through your portfolio, you look through your body of work. I mostly see like digital art, but I know obviously you've done, you've done some murals in the past. Like how have you thought about just the transition of the world, even as it's come into more of this like digital art realm and mirroring like real life, tangible art with 
the digital art world as that like continues to just blow up more and more? Yeah, I, I definitely love both. I, I do digital art. I mean, almost ex I do almost exclusively digital art for work um, just because it's oftentimes it's just necessary because when you're doing work for clients, they're going to have not always, but often they will have changes for you. And so if it's a physical piece, that's not necessarily possible to make the edits that they want, whereas digital art, you can always edit, you can change colors, you can move things around, that kind of thing. And of course, like the graphic design that I've done has been all digital because all graphic design is these days. Um, yeah, I, I definitely like want to do more physical art. Of course, I used to do only physical art like when I was a kid and like before I was professional, before I got an iPad, I would just draw things in a sketchbook and then take a picture of it and put it on my laptop and color it in Photoshop kind of thing. So I, I hardly do that now just because it's so much faster and easier to do it on the iPad. Um, and the, yeah, the murals that I've done have always been just really fun. It's such a unique challenge. Of course, the most obvious thing is it's permanent. You can't, there's no control Z, you know, if you want to make a change, you have to just paint over it basically and start over again. So a whole different beast in that way, of course, just working at that scale and just the awkward positions of of going against a vertical wall rather than like a horizontal desk that you draw at. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoy the, the challenge of it. Um, and there was definitely a, there was a time again, pre pandemic where I was really pushing to do more murals. I was, um, you know, just like asking friends, you know, like, do you have a wall that I could do? I was wondering, could I do it like in our apartment and then just paint over it before we move kind of thing. Or like I, I did like, skateboards and shoes and different things like that and at the time I was thinking um this could be like a good business move for me because like digital art is so ubiquitous like I can't compete with all the millions of digital artists out there but if I do something physical that gives me a little bit of a niche because you have to be at a specific location it's not like duplicatable the way digital art is right um and then of course, what, like I was talking about earlier, when the pandemic hit, I got really hard into gifts and that became a much more lucrative thing than I ever thought it could have been. So. Got it. How, how do you break out your, and you don't have to get like super into specifics, but what does your breakdown look like of almost like streams of revenue? Like, you know, you, you do do some of these murals, you do gifts, you're doing animation and illustration you have on your on your site you know kind of physical goods from stickers to mugs to towels to skateboards like how does it kind of break down percentage wise of of where where the money's coming in um or where the the work is even allocated yeah it's i mean it, right now i've got a couple of kind of consistent clients like people that i just like regularly do um illustration work for one i mean one is um a company that I make animated gifts for and they, they kind of um, associate or what's the word collaborate with a bunch of like nonprofits and stuff and like distribute them. So I've been working with them for a couple years now. So that's the pretty regular stream. And then just a, a more recent one is this YouTube content creator who's who kind of is like building out his brand for having like a, a blog and courses and like Patreon exclusive content and stuff. So he just like needs a lot more like personal branded illustrations type stuff. So those, yeah, those are kind of the, the consistent clients I have right now. And then the rest is just random people that, you know, DM me on Instagram for the most part. It's, I mean, that's a, that's it seemingly where all the, all business goes down these days is in the Instagram DMs. Yeah. Yeah, truly. You know, even, even though I have like, you know, much more of a following on TikTok. I think I might just have it set so that you can't DM me unless I'm following you. I think I'm sure there's a way to change that. But anyway, it, it seems that, yeah, people are able to find me that way. Everybody comes over, comes over to Instagram. All right. So I'm going to bounce yeah. around a little bit here because I've got some kind of all over the place questions that I want to ask you. But is there anything or one piece or one character, you've done a bunch of character work. Is there something in your portfolio of work that stands out as like, that was my favorite thing I've ever worked on, or that was the best thing I've ever, I've ever done. 
Is there one thing that stands out for you? Uh, I would say, I wouldn't say this, it's like the best thing I've ever done, but something that, that stands out as kind of a, an iconic thing that I really love is the Mr. Pineapple, the pineapple character with the mustache smoking a cigarette. You know, I, ma- I made that several years ago. And then years later, when I learned how to animate, I animated him and, you know, I was like used him for different like TikTok videos and, and like redrawn him a couple of times and tried to like make a series of of different fruits and vegetables kind of thing. So yeah, I would say that's kind of a, I think of it as sort of a signature piece for me. All right. I like that. Uh, I saw you did, you know, you have the whole fruit and veggie lineup. You've got, I think you've got the walking top, like nose right now, which I think is hysterical. Like you've got a couple yeah. really iconic characters. It's true. I've de- I guess I have been on a nose kick recently because I've made several different noses over the past couple of years in different forms. I've had multiple people on the show now that their entire livelihood is based on either drawing or sculpting butts. So that's a whole other body part that uh, I've had had on the show previously. I'll I'll pass them along to you. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get into that game. (laughs) Um, And then is there anything that you want to work on that you haven't done that's been sitting in the sketchbook or, or it's been in the back of your brain that you're like, man, I would love to do this or create this is there anything like that that's more so on the horizon or, or that you're looking to do at some point i mean something that i've been uh wanting to get to and putting off for forever is learning blender the 3d modeling technology i have like some some friends who like they do basically all of their work with blender um and it's just it's the stuff that i see more and more i feel like of people just taking their going from 2d to 3d um style and uh what was i gonna say i don't know it's i enjoy like the the place where like 3d illustration is at right now it's much more abstract and cartoony it's not like the kind of pixar or um you know robert zemeckis like trying to go as photorealistic as possible it's it's much more simplified you know like humanoid type characters Mm -hmm. um and it seems like a really fun space to play in and it's you know similar to animation is just something that i like have not like broken the barrier of like the learning curve for yet yeah that's fair on that point is there like there's some people that i have found that they are day by day they're trying to figure out you know what the next thing is and then there's other people that are like i've got my one three five ten year plan mapped out and this is what i want to accomplish how do you think about like the future of yourself as an artist and creator and as a business like what what is some of the next couple of years look like for you of things that you want to you want to work on oh man i mean uh, it's a big question it's a big question yeah (laughs) yeah i i don't know if i have like very specific lofty plans, you know, generally I, I certainly want to just become more sustainable just in terms of like having a more, uh, just consistent rhythm of how I can like space out projects, how I can just, just be more comfortable with, with, and have more confidence in pricing and contracts and, you know, all the business side of stuff that we talked about earlier, you know, I, I assume that I'll just continue to get more comfortable with that. Or I, you know, I hope that it'll just become second nature to me at some point so I can focus more on the work. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm in a stage right now where I'm, I'm really hustling and it's, it's really busy and stressful and I'm enjoying the, the chaotic energy of it, but I'm also like, wary of the fact that i'm like on the verge of burnout at all times you're so, like oh, i can't i can't do this forever <laughs> yeah it's it's a young man's game you know like my my back hurts <laughs> so yeah i would love to to be able to in the future somehow move to projects that are that maybe take longer like slower turnaround time but pay more so that i can just space it out a little bit more go a little bit slower that's fair. That sounds pretty nice. Yeah, it doesn't sound terrible. Is there a brand or creator that you'd love to collaborate with or work for or with in the in the future? So if you had to pick see. one. 
Yeah. Do you know the band, the Mountain Goats? I've heard of them. Yep. Familiar. Yeah. So that was um, the, that's something I've always thought of because they um, they're one of my favorite bands, and they just I feel like they're so prolific. They come out with a new album like basically every year or so, and every time they have a new um, just each each album cycle, they have kind of a specific color palette and and font that they use to match the album art and all of that stuff. So I remember one time commenting on on a YouTube video of a Mountain Goat song, just saying, my dream job is to be the guy that picks the new font for the next Mountain Goats album. So I'll say that. I would love to do or work for them. All right, we're going to clip this, send it to them. It's going to happen. We'll we'll make it happen. Oh, yeah? You have connections? No, I have zero connections, but we, you oh. know, we get this video clipped, we send it over to them, and it's it's practically done. When they were... Did, did you see when their video was or their music was trending on TikTok because of the song, No Children. Did you, were you aware no, of that TikTok no. trend? It was just, it was like a specific dance people were doing of, because this, the lyrics are talking about um, drowning and giving up hopes of so people were just like uh, pretending to drown. Like they go behind a desk or something and just dip down kind of thing. So I made, I made a video that was about me um, being out of salsa and, and making my own salsa. And then like, diving in and drowning in the bowl of salsa that I just made. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, that, that was my most recent attempt to get their attention. They didn't seem to notice me, but no yeah. luck yet. There's right, a lot of people out there. It's, it's coming. It's coming. You mentioned color palettes with the mountain goats. Like is how do you, cause you have a very specific color palette is my understanding that you kind of, you know, within procreate are kind of using the same color palette for most of your work. How did you land on, those colors and that palette and keeping that consistent through all your stuff. Yeah. I really, I, I really do just use one for like all of my personal stuff and, and most of my client stuff. Like I used to, um, I used to be much more chaotic and random and just like pick all of the colors, you know, for each new project anew, which obviously like takes a lot of time. So the, the color palette I, I use, I named it Mr. Sun in Procreate. And it's just like eight colors, I think. Um, and it was because I was drawing this illustration of a sun with a smiley face. It was for, I think it was, it was like something associated with the Biden campaign. It was the democracy is rising. Um, so it was just like a little smiley face sun character um, that I called Mr. Sun. And, and yeah, I kind of just, like those colors so much that I decided to just keep using them for more projects. And it, yeah, that's been a really, that's a good life hack for anyone who's uh, feeling like stuck on colors or feels like they spend too much time picking color palettes is try just like using one for like everything people won't notice as much as you might think they do. Yeah. I guess uh, it, like you hear about Steve jobs. He's like, he had one set of clothes. He wore the same thing every single day and it, takes an element of choice out of probably what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is, it is kind of similar to that. And then of course, when you work with specific brands, they are, they'll, they have their brand guide with specific color palettes. So, so you defer to that. Um, you know, yeah, I, I journey outside of my personal palette and make exceptions obviously, but I guess it's, it sort of has become my personal brand color palette, at least for now. That's kind of cool. And you also have created a couple of your own fonts. So tell me about the creation of those and what went into making your own font. Yeah, I I always thought that, that, so before I got into it, I always thought that I wouldn't be interested in making my own fonts because um, I just feel like it's, I don't know, it's like reinventing the wheel. Like there's so many fonts out there that are so like meticulously crafted. You know, it's, I feel like font making, if you're going to make like a, a very, finely designed like legible font it's it's an incredibly like intricate process it's like a fine art you know compared to what I do I would say um but you know of course like my style is more lended to um like the handwritten kind of thing so I think I made I made three different fonts one was for like a a series that I was doing at the church I was working at and it was um it was where I was just trying to make all of these letter forms out of circles, basically circles, half circles, or one, I basically took like one third of a circle to make a line. 
And so, of course, it was like not legible at all, but I thought it looked pretty cool. It looked like kind of some some ancient writings or something. So I would just sort of use it as a design element or you could put hidden messages in there because nobody could read it. Um, one font I made for my sister, Kirsten. So it's called Kirsten because my family has a tradition of at Christmas time, we have to, we draw names and we have to like hand make one gift for one member of our family. Um, I love so, that. Yeah. So it's, it's fun. You know, sometimes you end up with like a, you know, a really poorly sewn shirt or something like that. But um, yeah, some, sometimes there are, there are things that you can actually find a use for. Um, so yeah, I made a font for my sister that was just handwritten basically. And then another one was, it's called Puffy. And that was just because I was doing like a series that where I was just hand lettering everything. And I thought, you know, I have to like draw these letters in so much. I may as well just like make it a font. Like it might be about the same amount of work either way. And then that way I can use it anywhere. And then I'll just like put it for free, put on my website for free. So anyone can use it as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't feel like my fonts are worth <laughs> paying for because again like they're they're not made in this um meticulous way you know like a, a real type designer would would find plenty of flaws with them but yeah it's i'm a novice at at font making i'll say that that's cool that's a fun like creative exercise kind of outside of your normal your normal day-to-day all right so i just have i i want to wrap up just a couple of kind of kind of rapid fire questions and i want to take up take up too much of your time here you just recently not too long ago, moved from Arizona to South Dakota. So we're going to play a game here. Test okay. your knowledge of South Dakota. Oh boy. Fact or yeah. fiction. So I got three, three things here. I'm not going to tell you if they're true or false. You can tell me what you think. The first one, South Dakota has more shoreline than Florida. I mean, it's, it sounds wrong, so it must be true. That is correct. It is true. Apparently all the rivers, the and, rivers yeah. and lakes, it, it is more shoreline than the state of Florida. So that is true. Amazing. The next one, it is illegal to fall asleep at the barbershop. Uh, I'll, I'll say true. That is technically false, but... It is illegal to fall asleep in a cheese factory in South Dakota. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then last, last one is our, the state fruit of South Dakota is the chokeberry. The chokeberry. I've not heard of that. Uh, I'll say false. That one apparently is also true. I have no idea what, there's no research that I did outside of this. So I don't know if I didn't yeah. fact check, didn't double down on that, but apparently the chokeberry is, uh, we'll get our, our intern here to, uh, to fact check the, <laughs> that stat, but yeah, apparently the okay. state fruit of South Dakota is the chokeberry. Um, wow. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I really want, you know, want to go out and get some of that. Uh, my, my, my next question for you, if there is, you get a chance to put any sort of piece of art, illustration, words, whatever you want on a billboard billboard in Times Square. What are you putting on that billboard? Oh, wow. So this is some kind of political message or, or something strategic. It can is, be is where can my be mind whatever. is going. Okay. All right. Uh, how do, but yeah. I've, like I feel like my like one political message that that I like want to say is like can we reverse the the budgetary system like get, instead of having it be like ninety percent military ten percent education can we like reverse that um, I guess I could like could I make like a graphic that's like yeah. the graphs that are showing that you could do that yeah I I know that's that's sort of a a political thing that not everyone would agree with but sure yeah that's what I'll say. All right. I like that. I like that. And then my last piece here for you. And I think if I'm not mistaken, you did some homework. So I, I <laughs> end every show with the sign off of stay weird. And 
did you, it seems like you went to Instagram and pulled some of your fans to see what makes you weird. Is that true? It's question I did. Nine. Yeah. I I've, love been, I've, I've, I've been listening to your show today in, in preparation for our, our chat tonight, which yeah, I, I really, I've really enjoyed your show, by the way. I think it's well, a great you. program. I've been inspired by some of the people that I've listened to. I'm inspired by your educate, your dedication to the process. I know it's a lot of work finding a new person every week. So yeah, thank you for putting this on. Um, yeah. I, so that's how I found out that because I wanted to know beforehand what you're going to ask me because I asked you and you said, Oh, no, don't do any prep for it. Yep. No prep, but you did some prep. So that's okay. But yeah. Did anybody so do you t- want, do you I want mean, me to read all of the, all the responses yeah. or let's, let's hear it. Let's read out what, okay. what people said makes you weird. This has never happened before. So I kind of love it. Yeah. I thought, I thought it'd be fun to just ask other people what they thought. I didn't get that many responses. So let's see. One is, your sweet fozzy voice. One person says, I wouldn't say it makes you weird, but your voice is so unique. Could be a voice actor. So, you know, we talked about that earlier. Yeah. The fact that I have a weird voice and that I can use that as an advantage. One person says the way you slurp coffee, your feet, LOL. I've got, I've got two from my wife here. One is leaving one Swedish fish in the bag for later. And one is not liking to eat out. Uh, you have the aesthetic of a comedian, but you're actually a talented designer. I'm not sure what they mean by aesthetic, I, I, like like the way I dress or my my hair or what yeah, is that your that's your look? They think you're a stand up comedian, comedian from the eighties, maybe. <laughs> uh, your voice speaking English. Uh, so this, I think, this is a non-native English speaker. Uh, pacifiers that that one i do not understand i replied to that person saying what do you mean by pacifiers i didn't get a response okay and someone says you're not weird for other weirdos all right i kind of like that what okay out of all of those so does one really was does one stand out for you well yeah obviously the the common answer was my voice because multiple people answered that um and yeah we already talked about it earlier but i'd say that's something that it it is kind of a cool thing for me and that it's it's something that i've always thought of as weird and i used to kind of hate it about myself but now i at least kind of like it about myself so also we're, we're on a podcast audio medium so you know everyone has been aware of my voice who's been listening for this whole time so we can acknowledge it that is a wrap on this week's episode of destination different huge thank you to jeff for coming on this week's show he is just so nice, so freaking talented. I love, I love his style. Love it. I'm, you know, I'm personally not somebody who's like, you know, the polished, perfect realism look. And Jeff's got characters made out of pineapples. He's got walking noses. Everything about what he does just speaks to me. I love, love, love his style. Hopefully maybe someday I get him, get him designing a destination different t-shirt or or something but i love what he does so thankful to have had the chance to get him on the show we'll make sure you get everything linked up in the description here but it's pretty much at jeff kane across all social media same thing jeffkane.com you can check out his portfolio if you've got some work that you need done some illustrations some graphic design some animation jeff's your guy so go find him on his website that's it that's all i'm going to remind you again I said it at the front, podcast, love letters. I need you to rally the troops. I need all the listeners of the Destination Different Podcast to submit their love letters, to help me win this sponsorship, to help push forward the Destination Different Podcast. So take 10 seconds out of your day, click on the link in the episode description, podcast, submit a love letter to Destination Different And let's go win this thing. I really, truly believe 
this podcast, two and a half years, 115 episodes every single week, it's here. And if I'm looking at, I don't think there's too many small scale podcasts out there that have the same consistency, that have the same discipline, that have the same high, high, high quality of guests. And so I really think we can win this thing, but I need your help. I need you to submit love letters and help me win this contest. So that's it. That's a wrap. We'll be back again next Thursday with another episode of Destination Different. Until then, stay weird. in love for just a couple hours I can't tell the difference between what's fake and what's been missing often I'm misunderstood so I'm looking for a better me this is your love song baby